Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. This is Tom Salemi. Here to introduce our host, Steve Krupa of the Silos Group. Hey, Steve. How you doing, Tom? Doing great, doing great. This is a, an excellent podcast. We're, we're going to speak with uh, Dr. Yiding Yu. She's the founder, or you're going to speak with her, <laughs> the yeah, yeah. founder of, uh, of a, uh, an interestingly named company, Triage. Yeah. And uh, it's going after a space we really haven't really uh, tackled before, I think, which is a emergency medicine outside the hospital. Tell us a, a bit about the company. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's 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 one of these companies where I think I think she's she's found a very interesting application for mobile technology that that maybe people hadn't really thought about. Um, it's it's the idea that there's an enormous amount of inefficiency uh, in, in the in in basically the the ambulance and intake um, at the emergency department in a hospital and the communication between. Um, the first responders and uh, the emergency room nurses and medical staff as patients get triaged out in the field and then get brought in for care into the hospital. And her her goal is to make that a, an, an effective workflow with the objective of improving the, the speed and efficiency of the of the care that needs to be, be delivered in these emergency circumstances. And it certainly wasn't something that I had thought of. Mm-hmm. No, for um, sure. And she tells the story of how it came to her mind uh, to develop the product. But it's uh, it's it's a very interesting company and a very interesting story. I mean, you're, you're out there looking at, at deals within the digital health space. Have you seen other uh, companies kind of going after the, this part of healthcare? Because it seems like digital health solutions up until now sort of started at the at the hospital room door. No, and I think what she's replacing is this this idea of. Uh, uh, voice communications yeah. through really citizen band type radios and walkie talkies and uh, and so so what what she's saying is no 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 we can we can now use uh, digital technology and mobile technology to actually uh, get real data and documentation and and a much more accurate you know in the field triage I had not seen something like this we do see it you know inside the hospital sure uh, we talked to you know Tiger Text and Patient Safe Solutions, among a couple of companies that are using the mobile networks to facilitate a care, a communication, uh, and workflows inside of the hospital. But this is the first time that I've seen it applied to the ambulance and uh, an emergency department setting. Did you have a CB when you were a kid, Steve? I did. I did. Anybody my age had a CB. <laughs> what was your handle, Steve? I don't remember what my handle. I honestly do not remember my handle, but I remember I would drive to Florida with my parents and, and on vacation, <laughs> and I would get on CB radio. And I was so young, people thought I was a woman because my voice hadn't changed yet. <laughs> well, uh, well, I was Monkey Wrench in case our, our, oh. our yeah, yeah, that was uh, mine. I like that. Breaker one nine is that Monkey <laughs> Wrench? Is that what we were All right, let's uh, let's zip back to the uh, the present and uh, let's hear from uh, Doctor Yiding Yu of uh, Tuiage. Uh, welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Dr. Yiding Yu, uh, the co-founder of Twiage. Welcome to the podcast. 
It's a delight to be here. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah. So uh, we've got a couple of things to talk about. You've, you've, you're a uh, uh, Boston Business Journal 40 Under 40 honoree, which I guess is a cool thing to be. You're a, a physician and, and you're an entrepreneur. So you've caught uh, a lot of people's attention in, in the work that you're doing in, in healthcare. Um, important uh, question is what got you into entrepreneurship um, from, uh, from medicine and, uh, and, how, and how are you feeling about the decision and, and what are your objectives now that you're in the healthcare entrepreneur space? Well, thank you, Steve. So um, I have a really fun job. And when I think when I was thinking about what career I wanted to build for myself, I, I'm one of those people who gets bored very easily. Um, so I always had a lot of hobbies. In uh, high school, I built websites for favorite TV shows that I enjoyed watching. I started retelling online during the dot-com bubble. Um, I went to undergrad and studied economics. And so I, I think I always, I was one of those kids who always wanted to grow up to be a doctor, but I also always wanted to do something else. I always wanted to make uh, being a doctor and doing something about that, you know, seeing patients, but also making an impact uh, in the community or an impact, uh, you know, in my health system. So when I was a resident, I did my residency up at the Brigham Women's Hospital up in Boston, and I was training to be uh, an internist. And my upper residents would send me downstairs to the emergency department to pick up these uh, uh, EKG strips. And they said, you know, you have to pick them up because if you don't, they will get lost by the time that they're upstairs, this patient is upstairs. Um, and so like a good intern, I, I went straight down to find it. I hunted them down. And the moment I got to the ED the first time to do this, I realized why this was happening. It was because a little strip of paper that looks like a receipt roll that comes out of the door machine. So it rolls up when it's uh, you know, not, not held. Um, it was lying around a desk full of people who are busy doing other things. And, um, but that has a critical piece of information that the entire mission will rely on. And if I didn't retrieve it, it might get put on the floor, it might be taken up by another person, it might entirely get lost. And, and the fact that I had to do that and the fact that it continues to happen today was the motivation to do something really different, which is say, <laughs> which is actually not that novel at all, right. and say, let's use some technology to solve this problem. Sure. Why am I doing this? Yeah. So that's why we, um, I created Triage. So you're an intern, you're an intern by, uh, by training. Are you still practicing medicine? Are you in emergency departments today, or are you now full-time? I am, I am still uh, practicing medicine. So I see patients maybe four to six hours a week, and I, I see patients in urgent care. So, okay. And I love my practice. It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. It keeps me close to patients and realizing you know, why I went to this in the first place. Well, that's cool. You know, at uh, the, the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, we've got Robert Mittendorf, who's uh, at Norwest Ventures, who also is uh, a venture capitalist and a practicing uh, ED at uh, Kaiser. So he's got yeah. a, lot of, a lot, yeah. So it's it's good. So you're in front of patients pretty much a, a work day a week, and then and then you're working on your startup. Tell me, tell me. So was this your first idea for entrepreneurship? Was it one of many that you considered, or did you just come up with this uh, this concept uh, as a first as a first attempt? <laughs> so 
I would say aside from what I tried to do in high school, which was very small business, like, you know, online retailing, collecting and selling what I, uh, art books, which I was good at. Um, when, when I actually thought about exploring entrepreneurship, I, I fell into this, uh, and it was entirely serendipitous. So I had just finished internship. And I was about to be a second-year resident and trying to figure out what I should do with my life. Should I go into a fellowship? Should I research? Um, do I want to be a healthcare manager? And I went to a hackathon that was hosted by my hospital, and I, at the time, didn't even know what a hackathon was. But I had met uh, a physician who had you know, done startup stuff, and I thought he was just the coolest person. And I thought to myself, if I can have a career kind of like that, that would be ideal. So I attended this hackathon, and he said to me, eating, you can't just be a bystander. You've got to go, you've got to participate, and you've got to pitch. So talk about your pain points. You're a doctor. You know what's bothering you in healthcare. This is a hackathon for healthcare. So I, I pitched a problem. We formed a team, and that's when we came up with triage. I mean, in the most infantile form, we built a, like the most basic prototype. But we, when we went down to the ED of my hospital, and we talked about what we could do, I mean, there were nurses who said, this is awesome. This would save me time. This could help save patient lives. And so we really realized that we were onto something. And, you know, the rest of the century, we spent more time iterating, building, and started to do a lot of voice of the customer interviews from EMTs, paramedics, physicians, nurses, to really understand the problem and, you know, obviously have redesigned the product and rehoned the product many, many times to fit uh, the end user. And now what we do is send real-time information from an ambulance to hospital. But more than that, I think that's a boilerplate. More than that, we help hospitals have a situational awareness about all of their incoming ambulance traffic. And that information is available to every single member from their care team, regardless of what device they use, phone, tablet, PC. And not only do they have real-time clinical data to improve their patient outcomes for heart attacks, strokes, sepsis, and trauma, which are some major quality metrics that they have to report, but it actually helps them reduce costs. And it gives them really critical data for their referral patterns because I learned that paramedic volume, so EMS volume, accounts for 50% of all ED-related hospital missions. Um, and currently, most hospitals have zero insight into which ambulances are bringing in what type of patients. Interesting. Interesting. So first of all, I love the hackathon thing. First of all, it sounds like it's a, a good place to meet new friends, right? So maybe I'll go to the next hackathon and see who I can find. Um, <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> I, well, I did not meet a single person. I, I did not know a single person on my team. Yeah. That was the first time I met them. So it's, it's good stuff. And really, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a good, good way to sort of talk about innovation for a second. I mean, at the end of the day, that's where I think people don't realize that's where we find ourselves, right? I mean, the tools to sort of stand up a piece of software are there uh, in the open mm-hmm. source community. And so if you have an idea and, you know, everybody's burning their, burning their way through these, the, you know, these, this agile methodology of, of building software, which is just build something and iterate to a working product. So we really have uh, come a long way, basically from when I started doing BC, uh, in, in terms of the cost it takes to sort of get something working in, in front of a customer. So can you talk about how long it, it took you to build your first sort of proof of concept and, and how long it took you to get something in front of a customer? Yeah. So we, our hackathon was a weekend. And um, 
to start on Saturday. We had to form teams by 11 a.m. on Saturday and present our pitches on 11 a.m. on Sunday. So it's basically 24 hours, and we had a prototype, a working prototype by the end of that. Now, it wasn't HIPAA compliant. It probably was a very, you know, bad alpha product. But we could demonstrate it. It worked. It sent information from A to B, um, all the information that we wanted. And that little prototype actually got into the Boston Globe um, later that week. So, you know, it was so fast. I think you're entirely right, Steve. There is so much capability to just put together some information that allows somebody else to imagine what you could possibly do. And then, of course, you know, if you if you find that this is this has desirability, it's usable, and there's a viable business underlying it, then you can invest the resources to make it HIPAA compliant, make it polished, make it 99.99% reliable, which is what we have to do now because, you know, at Triage, we build a critical messaging uh, component. So every time, if we ever have a downtime, it's a paramedic and a patient who's very sick suffering at the end of it. So we, we take our reliability incredibly seriously. But certainly when we're prototyping and we're doing mock-ups and going to, to uh, put a prototype in front of a, a customer for their initial feedback, not for necessary patient use immediately, we try to be as fast as possible because so many healthcare startups die on the vine by not innovating and not moving fast enough in their growth curve. Because frankly, selling to hospitals is an incredibly slow process. It is. Uh, it's a, it, by the way, I'm sorry. I can only just say this because I, uh, it is a very slow process selling to any healthcare constituency. It's, it is because there's so many ideas out there and there's a budget cycle that's you know basically annual. And if you start the sales process in January, you're trying to get into the next budget cycle. Uh, you're totally right. And I'm sorry, <laughs> and I'm sorry about that. You know, it's, it's a lot easier on the consumer side where you just put up a great piece of software and everybody jumps on, on it and starts using it. It's, it's a little bit tougher to do that with hospitals, but it can be done. You just, you know, you just got to factor that into your capital deployment and 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 your uh, mm-hmm. and your innovation model. So let's get into the product because uh, you've hinted at some of its capabilities. Um, the question I always like to ask people, and I, and I know you've got angel investors, so obviously you had to describe this deal and this, these ideas to your to an investor to to bring people into the company. So what's the story you tell about the company when somebody says, what do you do? What value do you bring to the customer? What problems are you solving? I spend a lot of time describing the current standard of care, which is radios. And if you've ever spoken to a nurse or an EMT who has to work with this, they will tell you that they will deal with at least three or more radios on an every, uh, any given time at their hospital or in the ambulance. And on a radio, you have very poor static information. You lose that information. There's no patient IDs. In fact, there's none of the information that would actually make a difference for patient care. Everybody comes in as a Jane Doe or John Doe. And the fact that that is a standard of care should be appalling to everyone who's listening. It is absolutely appalling because there's better technology on that ambulance truck and better technology in the ED, but nobody's making use of it. And so Tweet is really trying to solve that problem, and it has the potential to entirely disrupt that market. So, so, and that's what we believe in. It's, it's the status quo is oftentimes difficult to change, but we think big and, and we want to transform that market. So when I think about hospitals, including some of the best hospitals we work in, and we're still relying on radios, and that hasn't changed in the last 100 years, 
I think there's a huge opportunity here. So, so when we talk to investors, we paint the story. You mean like a CB radio? Is that what you're saying? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the, the radio that's staticky, that you have to change channels, otherwise you might bump into somebody else. Yeah. That is what's happening. That is the standard of a care across the country. Yeah. There is nothing else. And so... Well, that was cool technology about 50 years ago. Oh, that was. <laughs> like Smokey and the Bandit, right? All that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly outdated now, and it, it's actually time-consuming. You know, to change the channels on a radio, to announce yourself, to get an operator, to connect you to a landline phone where a nurse has to pick up, that process by itself takes about a minute. Plus, then you have to, like, wait for the hospital to pick up, then you have to kind of give you a 30-second spiel. And then you're done. Then you're disconnected. If you want to give the hospital an update to say the patient is sicker, the patient's actually going to, you know, a fatal arrhythmia and you've got to stop, you have to initiate that process all over again. And you're the person in the back of the truck who's trying to stabilize the patient. So what triage is able to do is to use a smartphone or tablet and able to send real-time information, vital signs, patient identification, um, and what's going on with the ambulance, photos, EKGs, videos for a stroke, uh, digital. We actually have a digital walkie-talkie. And then they're able to have a two-way conversation ongoing with anybody at the hospital. They can get support, backup. And then, of course, we're, what triage is very powerful at is, is passively tracking a whole host of data like GPS, uh, time-stamping every action. So we're able to replay every single event for the hospital um, when they need to for quality assurance. But also we're able to help that nurse track track the, the patient coming in. And, and so for the hospital, their value that they get from triage is faster throughput. Triage has been shown to reduce turnaround times for ambulances by about 10 minutes. That's millions of dollars for a private ambulance company every year. Uh, and we don't even charge a thing for them. But for the hospital, faster turnaround times and faster throughput to the ED um, is a shorter length of stay. So for the average hospital, it's about saving three hours uh, a day um, just in terms of ambulance patients. And if you turn around ambulance faster, guess what? They'd like to go to your hospital, and that's better revenue for them. And, and so the, there's a multiple uh, reasons why hospitals have been interested, but they've generally been hospitals who are community hospitals and competitive markets who are very interested in ED efficiency and ED volume. And triage helps serve that. So we've been able to grow from one to 14 hospitals in the last year on that story, and of course, you know, speaking to angel investors, that story has resonated with them. And you know, I, I, I like working with angels because it's such a personal relationship. Sometimes um, talking with them, and they go back to talk to their friends, their ED docs, uh, who they work with, or you know, anybody in the, this uh, emergency medicine space. And when they come back and they say, they've told me exactly what you just told me, that they currently use radios. <laughs> We've got to change this. I think they see the potential of where we could go. Excuse me, everyone. Tom here. I just want to take a quick break from this conversation to remind you to uh, send me your email if you'd like to get the uh, panel discussions and other content from our Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. It happened on November 2nd in Boston. Uh, we're putting out the uh, video content as I speak, and I would love to send it directly to you. So just uh, shoot me an email, tom at healthogy.com. That's the word health, followed by the letters egy.com, and I'll make sure you're on our lists. Now back to this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So let me um, may ask you to just do a quick, I get it, okay? So how does it really work? These radios are connected to ambulances or uh, to, um, to fire department 
fire departments or, or people like that that are, that are bringing patients into the hospital? Is that is that the way to think about it? Yeah. So, so let me tell you, I can give you an example from Boston. Yeah, let's do like a use case or something. Exactly. So if I were a, um, if I were a paramedic in Boston, I would carry at, I would, on my body, I have one radio phone. That radio phone connects me to my dispatch. Um, I carry that. On the truck, there's another radio, and that radio connects with uh, an, a central organization that's uh, called CMED here, but basically you can imagine them as a switchboard operator, and uh, they're usually technicians over there. And so what I'm, what I'm doing is I respond to a patient having a heart attack. I go out of my truck. I assess them. I might, I'm doing an EKG. I'm getting vital signs. I'm getting all that information. I'm in the house, and so I might spend 10 minutes with that patient, getting them ready onto my gurney, Finally, I'm back out, outside of my truck. I put the patient on my gurney, close the doors. Now I'm rolling. I'm at about 12 minutes into seeing this patient. I've got 12 minutes of data. I pick up that radio phone. I switch the channel and call CMED. CMED operator picks up, and I have to say, hey, I'm uh, ambulance 123, calling in with a, uh, a patient having a heart attack. I'd like to be connected to hospital A. Can you do that? And the operator says, yes. Switch to channel 11. So then I get off, I switch to channel 11, I wait for the phone to ring on the other side. So then I'm now, you know, waiting to do that. Um, I, the nurse picks up, I reannounce who I am, and then I have to give a 30-second pass-off. The nurse says, you know, she understands or she'll see me. I usually have to verbally tell her how far away I am. Uh, at this point, I have no idea because I'm sitting in the back of the truck. I'm not driving, so I don't really know. And so the joke in Boston is that everybody says they're five minutes away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you should be. <laughs> and um, so I, I, It's a small town with long driving times. Uh, I can't say uh, it drives me nuts. It, it is, it's awful. Nuts. It's awful. But no matter what, I'm just going to be like, I'm five minutes away. I don't, I, I don't know any better. And then we're done. And so I, I hang up the radio, and then I go back to patient care. So that time, that whole radio call, it takes maybe two to three minutes just from beginning to end. And when we chronicled it with a paramedic, it was about 12 steps of, of actual action that they had to do. And if you contrast that with triage, triage rides in, uh, with, the, uh, with the paramedic and a smartphone or tablet, right? So it's going inside the home. And so immediately, if they see a heart attack and they want to take this to you know, my hospital, they select heart attack and they select hospital and immediately I get that alert. So off the bat, I'm getting alerts five to ten minutes earlier than if I was just waiting for the radio call. And then as they're entering information, as, they, as this patient's you know, getting an EKG, they snap the EKG. They get vital signs, they check the vital signs. So it's an it's a asynchronous but nonlinear process. They can enter information um, whenever they want. And triage specifically focuses on um, user uh, usability. So uh, on our first version of the product, aside from logging in, there was absolutely no typing. We said, you're working with gloves, you're working in a really busy environment, you have to be able to use triage entirely with one hand, no typing, get through everything. So everything is very large buttons. There's a series of tags, which are fully customizable now. And then we recently in, in introduced the chatting function, which has turned out to be really popular. But basically, the average triage case can be entered in 30 seconds. And that's 30 seconds compared to two minutes. And it starts far faster than what the radio call would have been. And hospitals can acknowledge the case. They can ask follow-up questions. And if they assign a room number, they, that room number assignment goes automatically back to the medic. So they know exactly where they should be rolling in. So they're going to the cath lab. They're going to the CT scanner for a stroke. 
you know, it's entirely transparent to them. And so that's where the time saving comes in. They're not waiting in line to be triaged again to go through registration with the patient. They can go directly where they need to, and the patient can get treated immediately. And, and that's really delightful for the patients as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so how, how are you doing with the, with the company? How, you, how many customers do you have, if you're willing to share, or maybe a marquee yeah. customer or two? How, how are the, you know, hospitals like to pilot stuff and go really slow with yeah. ideas. So what, what's been the response? <laughs> We've been um, incredibly excited. So, uh, you know, certainly getting our first customer, getting our second customer, those are some of the hardest. Um, we've been live with our longest-running clients for just under a year. They started um, just around after Thanksgiving uh, this time last year. And since then, we've grown to over a dozen hospitals across the United States. And so, you know, thinking about the long sales cycles that you were talking about, Steve, I mean, uh, we've been incredibly excited to, to see things pop. And, and where we've really seen it is that hospitals are remarkably competitive, that when you um, go into one market and another hospital is seeing what you're doing, um, seeing how you're engaging EMS and seeing the type of changes that are making, they, they start asking questions. They start asking, you know, why, uh, you know, uh, why don't I have this? And, and frankly, some of the paramedics go to another ED and say, why don't you have triage? And I asked the paramedic recently, you know, why does he use triage? Because the fact that triage is there doesn't take away the radio in the back of his truck. He still has that radio, and he still uses that radio for hospitals that aren't using triage. But he says he uses triage on his smartphone because when he uses triage, he feels like he has TSA pre-check when he arrives. Because because he logged in, he gets to fly through that hospital. And he could use a radio, but it just be so much slower. And that feeling of being able to be that hospital that gives your patients and the paramedics that are bringing them in the feeling that they get uh, efficiency like TSA pre-check is a feeling that's really valuable because you want to be known as that ED that's the most efficient. That's why hospitals spend money putting billboards up with those like, you know, wait times for their EDs, right? I mean, it's so important to be known because um, ED wait times directly cut into their revenues and, and cost structure. Um, so we've been able to grow. And in terms of actual patient volume, I think that's where we've seen the most growth because from year-over-year year growth from when we first started to where we are now, we are currently sending uh, cases for 3,000 unique patients every month. Um, and it's a huge number, and that's like a 21x growth over the last year. So it's a lot of patients every month who are being touched by triage, and, and we're hoping to grow even more. I love it. It's it's it. You know, it's I like when people find sort of these high value automation opportunities, especially inside of uh, the clinical environment. And it seems like, unlike some of the issues people have had with electronic health records and other tools, it seems like this is not sort of interfering with the productivity, rather it is, is, is amplifying productivity, which is, it's, 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 a, it's a great approach, a great approach. Thank you. Yeah, we try to focus entirely on cutting out or replacing another process rather than running a parallel process. And that, that's huge to our end users. I mean, there's no way to make this work if we didn't have the buy-ins from the paramedics or the, or the nurses, because at the end of the day, they're not paid to do this. Right. You know, that's what makes innovation so fatiguing to a lot of frontline staff because they feel like they always have to do more work whenever their bosses want to do something. So we come in, we say, we're going to, we're going to give you less work. We're going to make it even easier. And that makes it a whole lot easier for us to come in. Great. So, um, how many, how big is your company today? Uh, well, you don't have to tell me how many employees unless you want to, but 
and you don't have to certainly tell me uh, the revenue of it, but give me a sense for the, the types of people that you're working with at the company, the type of culture that you're building, your approach to the marketplace, and you know if you've, uh, you've declared a mission and a vision, give me a sense for that. Yeah, so our team is, I would say, we have about a dozen people on staff, and half of it is tech and product related. Right. Um, and then, uh, then the, the rest are, are focused on business development and account management. So um, that's where certainly a lot of the founders are. So um, I have I work with two fantastic serial entrepreneurs who help with business development and who are, you know brought a lot of resources. They invested their own money uh, to help found this company. Um, we have a fantastic account manager who uh, does everything in operations plus customer support. Um, and I, I focus on product and building a lot of my product team. And then I also go out and and um, am the face of the company. And I, I bring bring in kind of large accounts to who you know um, who see the vision and, and want to become a leader uh, in this space. You know, our every I think every group has a different culture. So before I went full time to triage, I actually was hired um, by a large health system in Boston called Atrius Health, and they're the largest not-for-profit multi-specialty practice in the Northeast, and a very large ACO. They cover about 675,000 lives. Wow. And I was hired as their chief innovation engineer so in a large organization, 700 physicians, 7,000 staff, and I was in charge of delivering innovative products. And, you know, we, we had a very different culture there, and I love that culture, um, then we had a triage. Triage is a, from, from the group, from the founder, founders and from our earning parties on, we have, uh, we're very opinionated people. I mean, I think what I, I love about this team is that everybody speaks up. Everybody is so invested in what we're doing that nobody stops and, and says, well, you know, meeting's the boss and I, I'm there for, I'm not going to say that. Or, or, you know, John's the boss and I'm, I'm not going to speak up. Everybody says, I don't really know. They're, we're willing to challenge each other and have constructive dialogue about how can we be even better. And at every single moment, we want to be an incredibly customer-focused organization. So, I mean, there, there are times where, you know, I have to debate with my tech team, and, and they say, well, you know, I can't get this fast enough. And I say, well, that's just not acceptable because we have customers who expect even better. And... And, and that's a balance that we have to find. We have to be realistic about what we can do. But what I love about the team that we're creating and the culture is focusing on customer satisfaction, having that delight to be able to, do, uh, to deliver, and having a group that has the transparency and um, the honesty to, to always put ideas and processes uh, forward and not to let you know, personal other issues get in the way of, of delivering great products. Very cool. Very cool. Very common part of the modern venture company is transparency and this, this idea that good news and bad news needs to be shared throughout the organization in, in order for the organization to get stronger. Uh, and I think that's an, I think that's an important component in what you're doing. Um, so great. I mean, we're, we're running up to sort of our last couple of minutes here. So, uh, I, I guarantee you, that the the listeners to the podcast are intrigued by your ideas and your enthusiasm around the products that you're building. So I'm on your website. I can see you've been on TV here in Boston a couple of times here. Um, but how do people get a hold of you? Do you uh, are you a, are, do you have a Twitter handle? Are you a tweeter, a blogger? 
yeah. uh, TV star? What, what, what's, what, how do we find out? Uh, I about wish you? I was a TV star. No, no, no. So we've, um, we do, I, I, um, I've done a few spots, but the best way, so our, our website is triagemed.com, T-W-I-A-G-E-M-E-D.com. And you can contact us from there. It's a, a forum. You can join us. Um, our Twitter handle is at triagemed. Uh, and my personal Twitter handle is at Yitting You. I am, uh, I'm actually an introvert, so I, I don't actually tweet that much, but um, I try to promote triage as much as I can. Um, reach us either way. We love to hear from you. We love to help you deliver um, this to your community. Uh, triage is absolutely free to paramedics, to first responders, to any community first responders. And so we can actually help entire cities, entire communities transform their care um, by working with their first responders and, and working with hospitals. Uh, to create a better alert system. So we'd be happy to talk to you if you're interested um, in sharing this with your community, interested as an investor, or interested in just learning more about the company or even thinking about joining the team. We're, um, Steve, we're really growing. I, I have like four uh, five positions that are open, um, and we're always looking for A-plus players. And and primarily in, in Boston, right? Or is it Boston, Boston and New, New York. York? We're looking for salespeople for New York. We have uh, operations and product people in Boston. Um, in general, you know, we have offices in both places, so we're, we're definitely flexible. Well, great. It was wonderful speaking with you, and uh, thank you very much for joining thank me on the so podcast. Thank you so much, Steve. It's a delight. And so endeth this episode of the Breaking Health Podcast. This is Tom Salemi. Got some thank yous to hand out. First, uh, thank you to our guest, Dr. Yining Yu, for uh, tackling such an important problem with healthcare within healthcare and doing uh, doing it with such an innovative idea and for creating a company that's uh, simply fun to say. I enjoy saying triage. And uh, we, we foresee many great things for this company going forward and look forward to tracking its success. Thanks to our host, of course, Steve Krupp of the Silos Group for taking the time to uh, really delve into these important issues in healthcare to interview these fascinating folks who are really making a difference uh, Steve, we appreciate the difference you're making in creating this podcast and uh, look forward to future tales of innovation. Thanks finally to our listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and our past conversations. We ask you uh, for a few favors in return, if you don't mind, if you could uh, take a moment to rate this podcast on whatever uh, platform you're listening to. We'd love to uh, get a sense of how we're doing. If you get a few extra seconds, please do uh, submit a comment. We'd love to hear... Uh, hear what you think of what we're doing and uh, where we can do things better. It's always uh, great to make this a two-way conversation if possible. Finally, please do tell your friends. We're really proud of this effort here at the Break Health Podcast. Numbers are growing every day, but uh, more numbers, the better. And uh, if you know someone who really enjoys in-depth and serious conversations about innovation within healthcare, let them know what we're up to, and we'd love to have them be part of this journey. With all that, this is Tom Salemi, Content Director of Healthogy. Asking you to tune in next week for another tale of innovation on the Breaking Health Podcast.